Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the status, and the Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prude. Yeah. He's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, great Scott. Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm looking at dog! It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 86 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Pru and Scott McLaughlin, who just left the Hockey's Championship game at the Garden. And guys... Not a stretch to say that this is probably the latest we've recorded a, a podcast episode. It's it's what one twelve a.m. right now, but you know we do what we can for the listeners. That's well, right. you know we needed to do an emergency episode like we thought before the trade deadline was over. And uh, Scott actually showed up to the garden, and I was like, "Uh oh, where's Scotty?" Because he was supposed to come to the media dining, and he just wasn't there. And I was like, and then I checked Twitter. I'm like, ah. All right, he's writing yep. about Hampus Lindholm being traded to the Bruins, so we found him eventually. We found Scott. Yeah, that, that took up. Uh, ended up taking up basically the whole first period of the hockey's championship game, doing my breakdown of what the Bruins are getting in Hampus Lindholm and and what they're giving up. Um, but yeah, obviously a, a huge trade, uh, and I guess you know might as well jump right into it. Since it's uh, one in the morning. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so Bruins get defenseman Hampus Lindholm from the Anaheim Ducks for a 2022 first-round pick, second-round picks in 2023 and 2024, Earl Vakaninen and John Moore, who is obviously a salary dump. 
Uh, Anaheim retains 50% of Lindholm's cap hit, which is five total cap. It's 5.2 million. So the Bruins get charged 2.6. And the Bruins also got a veteran AHL defenseman, Cody Curran, I guess kind of just like a throw in. Um, so my reaction to this trade is obvious is great. Like Bruins are, are going forward. This is the kind of big impact move that they needed to make. And I think, you know, as we've covered on previous episodes, like there were a few different positions where this kind of impact trade could have come. One is where they went, which is a top four left shot defenseman could have been a second line center could have been a first line right wing. And by the way, we'll get into this, but it's possible they still address one of those other ones. Um, But they get this deal done. You know, we had heard for a while that they were interested in Lindholm along, you know, along with basically every other left shot defenseman who was even possibly available. You know, you heard Jacob Chikrin, you heard, you know, Ben Sherratt, you heard lesser options like Calvin DeHaan or, you know, whoever, like any name that came up that was a left shot defenseman, the Bruins got linked to them. And I think they got one of the two best, Um, you know, I would personally being Chikrin. Yeah. I would personally prefer Chikrin just because he's younger and he's, he's under team control for longer with uh, a lower cap hit. And and that becomes the second part of this trade is that it sounds like the Bruins basically already have an extension in place with Lindholm. Um, The report from Sportsnet's Chris Johnston is eight years with an average annual value of six and a half million. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. You know, want to start with just getting Lindholm in the first place. And look, this is the this is the defenseman they've been looking for for years. Basically, since since Zdeno Chara started to decline, since it became clear that you know he was getting the old he was getting older and the the finish line was getting close. They were looking for this guy to put next to Charlie McAvoy. Uh, you know, it's someone who plays 22, 23 minutes a night, can play in all situations, is a very good defender, handles tough matchups, good penalty killer, um, can play in the power play, although, you know, that's not really his strength, but does bring some offense. He's a good skater. He's uh, He's had some 30-point seasons. And, you know, you would expect that they're just going to plug him right in next to McAvoy. I guess it's possible he could be on the second pair, but this is the kind of guy that they've wanted to have next to McAvoy for a while. The one you can just throw out there with McAvoy in every situation, ozone, D zone, up a goal, down a goal, tied, like whatever. You just roll with that. And that's your top pair. And they face the other team's best line. And it kind of slots everyone else in below that. Now, Matt Grizzlick and Mike Riley, don't have to be looked to to play that role. They can feast on some easier matchups in the second or third pairing. And I just think it, you know, look, Grizzly McAvoy has been a great pairing at times or for a long time, actually for like two years. Even statistically Ma- this year, they've been pretty good when they're together. Statistically this year, they've been the best pairing in the NHL. If you look at things like, like, expected goals and even regular goals for percentage like all that Corsi all of it they've all Scott's all of Scott's favorite analytics yeah Grizzly McAvoy has basically been the best pairing in the NHL statistically um so why do you have to why do you go out and get another defenseman to put with McAvoy well because the playoffs are a different story and we've seen 
Grizzly not really hold up in tougher matchups in the playoffs. So I think that was important to the Bruins. And, you know, they tried a cheaper route to get there in the offseason by signing Derek Forbord and starting the year with him on the top pairing. Obviously, that didn't work. So, you know, look, credit to Sweeney for recognizing that was a mistake, that it wasn't going to work. There was no point in like trying to go back to that down the stretch here or into the playoffs. Like, no, you needed you needed someone else. Like it wasn't going to be Derek Forbert. Forget about that. So you go out, you get Hampus Lindholm, and that should be that guy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, an absolute game changer move for the Bruins. I think that the sign of a great hockey trade is when both teams walk away thinking that they probably had the upper hand. Um, you know, because for Anaheim, Hampus Lindholm wasn't going to resign with them or they weren't going to extend him the years, the term that he wanted. So um, it was, you know, it was that or it was this or let him go for nothing in the offseason, right? Pending on, uh, you know, free agent. So Anaheim walks away with this and they, you know, they get a first rounder, two seconds, you know, decent defensive prospect in Vakaninen. And, you know, obviously John Moore, who's, you know, you know, he's an NHL defenseman, we think, you know, and, um, but if you're the, if you're, if you're the Bruins, you, you walk away with a, you know, a legitimate top two defenseman. And uh, as Scott said, like he does everything well. I mean, he's, he's an elite skater. He has, you know, great vision mobility, hockey IQ, um, everything he does, he does well. He, you know, it's often said that, you know, Sweden boasts, you know, the best all around defenseman in the world. And, you know, if there was an Olympic team this year, Lindholm would have been, you know, a top four defense for Sweden, like international. I mean, he's, you know, he's very, very good. And um, I think that if you're the Bruins, I think it's, you know, there's so many things they could do with him. I absolutely see them putting him with McAvoy, um, and trying that, but at the same time, I can see them doing with, what Tampa did a lot with Hedman and you know um, McDonough on different pairs at times. Where if you're the opponents, your top two lines every time you go on the ice, you have to face either McAvoy or Lindholm. And so maybe they do something where they split up McAvoy and Lindholm at times, and um, it's always interchangeable. It, it, you, you can always start them together or, or whatever. But either way you put it, whatever top two pair he's on, the Bruins are a much much better team because of it. Um, you know, I love the fact that uh, Anaheim was willing to retain half of his of his, uh, his his salary this year, his cap hit, because it allows the Bruins to still have um, room to shop at this deadline. And um, I just think it's a great move. I, I think I think right away, you know, it, it really solidifies the Bruins' defense. It's something that they've been lacking, as Scott said, since since Chara, as far as just that that overall presence of a defenseman. He's a totally different player than Chara. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. And he's 28. <laughs> Yeah, he's 28, and you know, um, you know, nobody tell me Bridget or I that 28's old because it's not. So, um, <laughs> you know, he's definitely young. He's he, he's still he's he's very much in his prime. I mean, he's 28 years old. Um, and, and, you know, and if it's rep- if the report's correct with the eight year extension, the Bruins will have him locked up till he's 36. Well, yeah. So the so the the rumor is that you know they're gonna try to lock him up for another for for uh, for six years at. Uh, oh no! Eight, eight, eight years. years at eight years at at, at six and a half million. Which look, you can sit there and, and say that you know it could be um, a little lengthy, and that's true. But you never know how things work out. I mean, you know, f- who knows what the what the details of the of the um, contract would be? But it could be like you know four or five years from now they do something similar to what Anaheim's doing, where like he goes, he's like a thirty-four, five-year-old, 
you know, deadline move or something to somebody else. Like he just, he just never know how the future plays out, but I wouldn't worry too much about that because, you know, for the next four to five years, he's a legitimate top four defenseman on this team. Yeah. And it, so the, the haul that Anaheim ends up getting for him, like it, I, it's a huge haul. Um, but that's, he's one of the only players you would have traded all of those assets for the first round pick, the two second round picks, and then two depth defensemen. Uh, so that's one of the only players where you're like, okay, yeah, you could spend all of that. Um, and you know, you're getting, you're still getting a good deal pretty much both sides win in this situation, because like you mentioned, Brian, they weren't going to get anything for him if they didn't deal him right now. So he was obviously on the market. They held him out of Friday's game. Uh, everybody was just waiting to see where he ended up and it ends up being Boston. I think it makes a lot more sense than Chikrin, um, them going after Chikrin. I know Scott, and it's not because, you know, his skill or anything like that. Uh, he just right now is a question mark in terms of health. So this year, how much he could help you. Um, I believe his last update was he has about two weeks before he returns. Scott, correct me if I'm wrong. Chikrin, yeah, the report was no more than two weeks. So, I mean, he could be back next week. That that wouldn't have worried me. I wouldn't, that wouldn't have caused any hesitation. Uh, yeah, for me, I think, I think it, it causes me a little bit of hesitation, Scott, just because he was like, he was battling something even before he got that hit with Forbert and you don't really know what it is. And maybe Don Sweeney had a better idea than we do um, of what it could be. And if the end goal is to sign someone, like get this extension done after you trade for them, it, it makes a lot of sense that they are able to make this um, move with Lindholm and, and get that long-term solution, which Chikrin we were thinking would be more of a long-term solution because he still has term left on his contract. Um, but now they don't have to worry about um, them having a rental defenseman because Lindholm is reportedly uh, willing to sign a very long-term deal. And why wouldn't he? Cause it's um you know, it's a good deal for him as well over $6 million a year. So. But uh, Scott, were you about to say something? Yeah, well, I was just gonna say, like, the doing this trade only made sense if you either had an extension in place or at least had a really good idea that you were going to be able to get something done and there was enough mutual interest. You're not giving all that up for a rental or oh, absolutely not, you know, for a few months and then hope you can re sign them. Like, obviously, there was talk beforehand, and Sweeney had a good idea that, like, yeah, they were going to be able to find common ground. And so also the other point, because you guys got to talking about, you know, the pairings, how things would shake out. I, I'm under the impression that McAvoy starts out um, paired with Lindholm just because I know they want to test it out and, you know, get a few games under their belt to see if that could be an option for them in the playoffs, despite, you know, the stats with Grizzly. I think they're wanting to just get a look at it while they, while they have some time here before it gets down to the end of the season. And then just I wanted to talk to you guys about where you see the rest of the defense shaking out because you move you move Grizzlick down, then that means you move Riley down. Uh or but Riley Carlo has been a good pair and Grizzlick Carlo has been a good pair. So where do you guys think, you know, how how does it shake out now that they've added um, you know, a top four defenseman? Yeah, I think you keep Grizzlick Carlo together as your second pair and then Riley Clifton has been a good pairing when they've been together in the past. So that'd be my third pair and four boards, the odd man out. And, you know, if, if 
Clifton struggles at Clifton's been playing really well recently. If he struggles at some point, you know, you can put foreboard in, maybe it's, you know, Riley flipping over to the right side. What you have obviously, you know, really good depth now when you're talking about either foreboard or Clifton being your seventh defenseman, um, you know, whatever faults those guys have, like that's it's pretty solid seventh defenseman to have. Um, so that that's what I would do. Lindholm, McAvoy, Grizzly, Carlo, Riley, Clifton. Yeah, I, I agree with Scott. And you know, like I said earlier. And by the way, if I if I lag a little bit, just bear with me because um, I have spotty Wi-Fi here and now. But anyway, um, I agree with what Scott said. Of course, those top four you could be interchangeable, but. Um, Four birds, the odd man out. But one thing I also want to mention, and, and you can't overlook this because it's very important in the playoff series. Um, you look at the Bruins decor right now. Brandon Carlos, 6'6". Derek Forbert, 6'4". McAvoy, 6'1". Plays bigger. Mike Riley, 6'2". I feel like he's taller than that. You know, um, Lindholm, 6'4". Uh, even, even, you know, Clifton, they say he's 5'11". But really, Grizzlick's like the only one that you look at. I mean, in a Sean, but he's not a regular who's like, you look at Grizzly and you're like, yeah, he's undersized. The Bruins decor, like they're bigger. Just just to give a visual for Bruins fans who might not watch Lindholm very often, him being on the West Coast and whatnot, but like he's he looks like the size of Carlo out there. He just he just is very good at everything. He skates like the wind. Like you're gonna you're gonna watch him on the ice and you're gonna see him next to like McAvoy and Charlie Coyle. And, and other players in the Bruins that you think are big, and you're going to be like, holy shit, like Lindholm's like way, way taller than they are. I think people are going to be surprised how tall and lengthy he is, which is great when it comes to, you know, having a good stick in the D zone and on the end, you know, when, when opponents are coming on the rush and just a lot of little things I feel like is going to allow um, Lindholm to be, maybe be, while I think that Chikrin may be the all around better player, that's not really a stretch to say, but. I think Lindholm actually might be the better fit because because Jacob Chikrin sometimes can kind of be like a, a, a loose cannon out there. He's kind of all over the place. Now he gets back in position because he's such a good skater. But I just think that Lindholm is going to have that calming, smart hockey IQ presence that I think the Bruins decor is really going to um, be grateful to have. And he's going to really help drive the offense in transition too, which is very important. Yeah. I was going to say, if, if people want to like that first game he gets in and, I'm guessing it's going to be Monday night again against Montreal, but I guess it's possible. Maybe one reason or another, I might have to wait till Thursday against Tampa. It's but, more complicated because it's Canada. You know, it's always a little bit more complicated. Getting yeah. Up but there. I mean, they're, they're at home now. Like they're practicing at warrior on Sunday. And then I don't know if they're heading up Sunday night or early Monday, but anyways, whenever Lindholm plays his first game, if you're looking for like, okay, what should I be expecting from this guy? Like one thing to focus on is going to be his his rush defense and the way that he prevents his own entries, because he is one of the best in the NHL and has been for a long time. He is a great one on one defender. He is great at breaking up rushes, and uh, you know there's there's an interesting analytics angle to Lindholm. Like he so he grades out extremely. Here we go. He grades out extremely well. Like in that area, he grades out really well in zone entries. Um getting a shot through he's very good at which the Bruins can absolutely use as well that's another area where he helps but so Lindholm's analytics like this season haven't been great and a big reason is that he is he has taken way more penalties than he's drawn 
And that is obviously, you know, not great. You don't want your defenseman taking a lot of penalties when they're defending. Um, But it's worth noting, like a few years back, Lindholm was elite analytically. Like, you know, he was stacking up with the best defenseman in the league and helped played a huge role on two Anaheim teams that went to conference finals. I think that was 2015 and 2017. So yeah, that's five years ago, but you know, if you like the argument of like, Oh, his analytics aren't as good anymore. Well, his teams haven't been as good anymore. And like that, that does factor. Like it's not, not everything happens in a vacuum. And I think you get him on a Bruins team with better structure. He's, you know, he's been playing all this season with 19 year old Jamie Drysdale as his partner for most of it. And Drysdale is a very raw player who needs a lot of help from his partner. Like that's been a tough role for Lindholm. He's had to really carry that pairing at times. Now you put him with McAvoy who's one of the best defensemen in the NHL and Lindholm doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting. It becomes a much more equal shared load. And like, I would expect that, it, you know, once that pairing gets going, you're going to see really good analytics from Lindholm. But that would be my guess. He's done it before. Uh, this Bruins team tends to bring that out. Like you plug in any defenseman and they tend to be very good in this system for the most part. So um, I'm not so worried about that. I am a little worried about the extension. You know, eight eight years is... That's a long time and getting into your mid thirties is, you know, you, you do, you worry about decline. And um, so, you know, but so like, you look, you're going to have to hope that he ages well, right. You're going to have to hope that um, not only does he get back to what he's been in the past with the Bruins, but you hope that he stays there for at least five or six of those years you know, if the last one or two are kind of going downhill, you'll live with that. That that deal was worth it if that's and, and plays a, out. And especially because uh, presumably at that point uh, of his contract, the Bruins will have kind of stepped out of that uh, the the playoff hunt because the Bergeron window will have closed. So presumably it, your core is is different, and you're you're making a lot of different moves at that point in time. Well. Maybe, but also like what this deal does is it clearly indicates that they view Lindholm as part of that next era. Yes. So, I mean, now obviously the question in terms of what's going to happen in the post Bergeron years is obviously going to be center and they still have to address that, but they believe that they now have their top pairing locked up for years to come with, as of now, Mason Laura is still on the way, which we, we haven't really touched on this, but you got Lindholm, so excited about this. You got Lindholm without giving up either of your top two prospects. The, the, the all the reports had been that Anaheim wanted a first round pick and a grade A prospect. When I read that, in my mind, grade A prospect it means Fabian Lysel or Mason Lorai. I don't think the Bruins have any other grade A prospects. So you got him. You got him without giving up one of those. So that's you know that that's another big factor in in giving in giving this trade a good a decent grade uh to Sweeney is that he got it done without giving up either one of those players and a quick point before um before Brian I know you want to say something uh to to your point about how you know his analytics haven't been good but you know he 
he's bound to see a jump when he comes to the Bruins because they're not Anaheim and he's going to be playing beside Charlie McAvoy. And just to, to make a, you know, a comparison to last season, Taylor Hall had two goals in 37 games with Buffalo and then came in and had 16 uh, in 16 games and had eight goals for the Bruins. It was a completely different looking Taylor Hall. Uh, and so Lindholm, it, it's going to be, you, you almost have to, you know, take it with a grain of salt the statistics he had this past season and even a few seasons before that because his first two seasons uh he he was plus 29 and plus 25 and then in the that was the 2014-15 season Scott and then two other seasons he's you know over plus 10 so he's been you know he's been in the plus side of his career up until the last few seasons and he didn't even really play last season he only had 18 games and I guess we maybe worth briefly touching on the like the injury that he had in the 2020-21 season just to give a little bit of perspective to people who um maybe didn't follow him back then yeah yeah I mean I'm not really worried about it because he played he was playing he had played 61 of 64 games with Anaheim this year and one of the three that he missed was Friday night when they held him out because they knew they were trading him so um it seems like he he recovered fully and it, there was no issue. Yeah, no, it's it's um you know, to your point earlier, Bridget, though about like you know um, being on a bad team and you know going to a stronger team and, and numbers changing. That's just to Scott what Scott said earlier. You don't you don't look at things in a vacuum. I mean, if Charlie McAvoy played on a team where the goalie was shit and the forwards can't play defense, you know his analytics would suck too. Right. So it's not, it, it, you, you do have to look at, you know, the situation that a player is in. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's very foolish when people online or, or whomever in person for all that matter, like they, they, they say, Oh, look, look, look at their plus minus. Well, what team are they on? Like, seriously, are they on a team that has 40 points? Then yeah, no shit. They're going to have shit, shit numbers. Like, but if you know a player is a good player, like you have to see beyond that. Um, you know, certainly Hampus Lindholm for the first, you know, four or five years of his career in Anaheim was on a very, very strong team, right? So what Scott was saying earlier. So yeah, I, I think that you know he'll 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 his numbers will skyrocket here. And and by the way, I want to I want to see Lindholm alongside McAvoy as much as the next person. I'm actually very excited to see that. But part of me does think. I mean, if you're if you're in opposition, and and, and we all know how well McAvoy and Grizzly play together. I know Scott would like to get Grizzik away from tougher matchups. And I agree with that. But to think of a, uh, an opponent going up against, um, you know, a Carlo Lindholm pair where you have a six, six guy and a six, four guy, both very sound defensively. I mean, that's a real shutdown tandem right there. So I, I do think Bruce Caskey is going to have a luxury of being able to spot those top four guys and move them around based on game situations and opponents. And, and I think that's a luxury to have. And that's why I think down the last 20 games, 20 plus games, you'll probably see um, a couple of combinations in that top four. Um, so I'm excited to see that. Oh, by the way, uh, they also got Cody Kern. Did we mention that, Scott? We, yeah, we, he yeah briefly very briefly. It. Um, because so he's an AHL defenseman and he's probably just to make up for the fact that you gave up to two defensemen in the trade. So you traded Vakanainen and more, and then you, you want to get, you know, a, someone in the system, uh, that's a defenseman because you gave up too. So I, I, I do want to hit on this too, because again, not, not all fans, you know, necessarily realize this when it happens, but I, I was telling Scott before we started recording, 
Um, so it must have been around, I don't know, around 105 in the morning. Um, that the Bru- if you told me when I woke up yesterday that that the Bruins were gonna trade for Hampus Lindholm, but then have more cap space to use until Monday, I would have I would have been like, well, that's that, that's phenomenal. Like, so how did that happen? So basically, what happened was, and you know, obviously, jump in if if I, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm wrong, but. It sounds to me like because Anaheim took John Moore's salary of like two seven five, whatever it was, and then the Bruins took Lindholm, but Anaheim's retaining half of his um, cap hit. So like they're so what is it? They're take the Bruins are paying Lindholm like two six or something like that. Yeah. And the the Ducks are taking on the John Moore of two seven five, which the Bruins are current, uh, previously paying. So and, and I also believe that there's a bit of an um, and Scott's mentioned this in the past, but there's 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 a bit of a luxury. Uh, for, for deadline dollars cap space. So the Bruins actually have like just over 6 million in cap space to have to, to, to play around with until Monday. Um, so it's, it's just, it's, it's, so if you were to tell me they, they acquire Hampus Lindholm, they don't give up Laura, they don't give up Lysel, who, by the way, if you got Chikrin, one of them was probably going to go, but you get Lindholm, no Laura, no Lysel going the other way. And you have more cap space to spend until the deadline. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, Don did a good job in this front. Yeah, and and you also you would have assumed like if the you know salary going the other way or whatever, you would have thought Jake DeBrusque, and he is not a part of this trade. My guess is he was probably in you know his name probably came up in the conversation. Um, I bet the Bruins brought up Ricard Raquel's name, and I wrote this the other day, and basically like if I were the Bruins, if I were Don Sweeney, I would have viewed. DeBrusque and Raquel as a one for one deal. Like to me, those are players of equal value. There was a time when Raquel would have been more valuable because he had back to back 30 goal seasons. And that was five years, like four or five years ago. I think what they've done this year, those are pretty equal players. Um, I would imagine Anaheim does not feel the same way. So I'm not surprised that those two weren't part of it because I would guess that they just view their own each one of them probably views their own game as more valuable than the other team would have. And uh, something that Brian was talking about, I think he only texted it. I don't think he mentioned this in a previous podcast, but he was kind of going like, Oh, what if they can package, do it, do a package deal for Lindholm and Delorier? Cause he wanted to add like that grit, but Delorier ends up being traded to um, Minnesota who also added so far uh, Tyson Joseph and Nico Sturm. Well, it's well, they traded away Sturm. That was Excuse me, yes. Actually, yes. so um, what's his, uh, so was it, I think Jost, I think Tyson Jost, or maybe it was the other way around, but I think Jost offered Nico Sturm to stay at Jost's apartment that he was living at in Denver or something like that. So that's pretty uh, a pretty fun story. But yeah, I texted you guys that, and then I tweeted about it. And what's funny is, you know, I, was, I said, look, if you're the Bruins, like realistically, go out and get Lindholm. That's your that's your top that's your top pair D man. Go out and get Delorier, a guy who completes the playoff series. Not let people take liberties on your star players, especially don't come. Again, the Atlantic Division is very big. It's and, and there's some tough teams. Like they play hard. Tampa plays hard. Florida plays hard. Um, Toronto not so much, but um, you know there's so there, there's some big, there's some big boys to get through that division if you even want to make it to the conference finals, let alone the final conference finals and Stanley Cup finals. So I thought Delorier could have been a, a guy to police the playoff series, and then obviously. 
go out and get um, like an Andrew Kopp or something like that. And just kind of, you know, realistically address those needs. And then I, ironically enough, like literally an hour later um, is after I said that is when the Bruins got Lindholm and then Delorier went to the wild, you know, he went to the wild for a third round pick. So, I mean, I feel like the Bruins could have actually swindled that or not swindled it, but they could have figured out something like that, but nonetheless, they didn't. And, and on that point, um, you know, the Bruins, I don't know if we're done with Lindholm for now, but you know, it's, it's almost probably like, because uh, <laughs> we're, we're coming up uh, against two in the morning and yeah, we still have, we still want to, I still want to just touch on where some of the other big pieces went, like how Florida has been adding like with oh, Drew yeah, yeah, and everything. Yeah. Uh, and Scott wanted, I know Scott wanted to bring up the fact that Lori and Ohio state are out of the, um, they will not make the NCAA tournament because of what happened today. Um, so he was like in the press box, he's like, oh, I wonder if, I wonder if the Bruins see Lori at some point, most likely Providence, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's something to keep an eye on. Yeah. I think it, it'll be up to Lori. Ultimately, I, my guess is the Bruins would be fine either way if he says yeah i'm ready to come out and sign and start my pro career i think the bruins would be on board if he says i you know really want to go back for my sophomore year i think the bruins would be fine with that as well they, they don't need to especially now that you've gotten lindholm like you don't need to rush mason lori if he's not quite ready um i guess it, maybe just kind of last thing to touch on brian you started to is bruins uh have been linked to Andrew Cobb now for about for a good part of a week. And then it sounds like Max Domi's name also came up in one report on Saturday. Um, you know, so personally, I don't view either one of those as like the real kind of surefire impact top six forward that I would like to see the Bruins get. And by the way, I still think they could get just simply because they have the cap space, like they could make a move for a, legit top six forward most likely on the wing because the center market is looks pretty thin unless Sweeney you know has something up his sleeve that we're not expecting um but you know cop I like because one I think I think he's a really good solid player and two he can play any forward position and he can play pretty much anywhere in the lineup so you know when we talk about how like the Bruins right now, it's like, okay, you, you like their lineup, but one piece goes out or struggles or goes cold, and it feels like, you know, the whole thing comes crashing down. Uh, Cop helps prevent that. Like, I don't know where he would play regularly, but he he can, you know, you could probably plug him in on the top line. He'd be just fine on right wing. If Hollett struggles, he, which, by the way, Friday night, Bruce Cassidy dropped Halla off of the second line again and put Thomas Nosek there. I'll tell you what, I would definitely much rather have Andrew Kopp there than Thomas Nosek. Um, or, you know, Frederick struggles, he can go third line left wing. So I, I, I like Kopp depending on the cost. Max Domi is kind of a weird one to me. I don't really see him fitting on this Bruins team. Like, you know, Max Domi doesn't play defense like at all. And that, that is not the Bruins MO that those are not the players that Bruce Cassidy likes. Um, he has played way more left wing than center this season. So I, 
you know, unless you think you're moving him back to center or maybe you think he's an upgrade over Trent Frederick, but obviously they're very different players. I just, I would be surprised by Domi. He just does not seem like a fit with the way the Bruins play to me. I completely agree with you. I don't, I, he hasn't even really popped up in my mind. I know there's rumors and, and whatnot, but like, that's not someone I really took seriously as, um, you know, a move they would make. I mean, I'll be honest. Like I hear, I hear what you're saying about the lack of defense and, and, and a strange fit. I agree with both of those things, but he does provide offense and he does provide some piss and vinegar. Um, so look, I mean, I, I, I would give it a chance depending on the cost. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, shut the door on somebody and, you know, without giving them a chance to prove themselves. Um, but interesting um, rumor on the Domi front, I guess we'll see how that plays out. Let me give you reasons three and four, Scott, why, why Andrew Kopp would be a good fit for the Bruins. Number, uh, number three, um, he is making three, six, Jake DeBrusque is making three, six. It would be a pretty uh, easy transaction if it was a one for one type thing. Number four. So, so, so- you're right. I would rather have Domi without giving up DeBrusque. Like I, I like adding don't, I mean, not Domi, sorry, cop. Yeah. I like, I like adding cop to this group as is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if that means Felino's a healthy scratch or, you know, I'll figure out like who's out of the lineup, but I, I like adding cop to what you already have, because I would be, if he's just a one for one for DeBrusque, now you're really banking on him clicking with Bergeron and Marchand and fitting there. And that's, you know, that's a risk. He's not, he hasn't been a first line player throughout his career. Yeah, no, it's, it's that, that's true. I guess, uh, I guess my mind jumps to that right away just because, you know, Jake still wants to be traded. And I mean, I, I guess, I guess, and, and they do have the cap space for him and then some without moving to Brusque. So I guess I'm just trying to figure out, you know, who, who Winnipeg would want from the Bruins. And I know that the would probably be somebody, um, but yeah, that that's true. They could get him without giving up to Brusque. Um, the fourth reason, though, would be his size. He's just he he's, he. In addition to what you said about his consistency and his work ethic, and that he goes to the net hard, um, he's just he's another big body out there. And again, he's a big body who can ski. And I can't stress how important that is. It's just you know, especially for a team that has lacked a little bit of size up front the last few years and whatnot. Um, that's another big reason. And by the way, uh, you mentioned Trent Frederick. All of a sudden, Trent Frederick is starting to play like the third liner Sweeney knew he would be when he drafted him in the first round. Yeah, eight points in the last eight games. You got yourself a point per game player right there. He, yeah, but he's <laughs> he's playing with confidence. He's got he's got some speed, and he's he. I don't know. He's a totally different player. Totally different player. Uh-huh. And, and yeah. he's one of the gritty guys that like you don't expect it from you know quite a few guys on the team, but Frederick every, you know, every night he's being physical, he's, he's a pest. Um, and he's usually the guy who decides he's going to drop the glove. So he's been pretty entertaining uh, ever since he's been paired with Coyle and Smith and he's gotten more consistent playing time. Uh, you're right. I, and you know, I think you add cop in there with DeBrusque, all you keep DeBrusque on the lineup. Scott's right. That's, that's a good move to, depending on what you have to give up, but you can't imagine it's not, it's, it's not going to be like a, a deal breaker what they're asking, I don't think. Um, so that would be interesting. And I guess to kind of close out things, we've talked about what the Bruins have had, have gotten, 
but like best guess as to what they do if they do anything uh, before uh, the end of the trade deadline tomorrow, or I guess by the time people listen to this uh, today. So, so Scott, before you answer, I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback on that question that she asked and I'll throw it to you first, because earlier you mentioned that the Bruins could still potentially find a top six, you know, forward out there. Um, I ask who, like, who could it be? I mean, I, you, you hear, you hear Connor, Connor Garland's name. Um, I, I mean, you hear Miller and Besser, but like, I don't necessarily, I don't know if those will, those will move, but like, if it's not Garland, um, you know, are there any other top six names that you could, you can imagine right now? And then obviously no. real estate no, it's, that, it's I tough. I don't think there's a ton of them left out there. Um, you're, you're at, at the right spot for, I'm amazed that Connor Garland's name is still out there. Like I, I thought that was going to be one of those things that kind of came and went and eventually, you know, everyone comes to their senses and the Canucks realize that they have a really good player on a really good deal and they just keep them. But his name keeps popping up. Like there's obviously they're listening to some extent because otherwise like it would be much quiet. I mean, it's been pretty quiet on JT Miller. Right. And I think that's because, the Canucks really want to keep JT Miller. Uh, Garland's name keeps surfacing. So, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe Sweeney decides to blow them away from Miller because, you know, I think he'd be, even though he's older than Garland, like I think that center position obviously is more important and more of a need. Um, you that know, would be That would be an interesting deal, though, because like think about what else you'd have to give up. Well, yeah, for, I think for either one of them, you're talking another first round pick, you know, yep. which you've already given up one, and you're probably now putting Fabian Lysel in. I feel like they'd be, they, I feel like Vancouver would listen sooner on Besser than they would Miller just because of the position that he plays. And by the way, he's not a top 10 scorer in the league like Miller is. Yeah. So Besser's a little different. Like, I would be really hesitant about Brock Besser just because of his contract. I think. He's due a seven and a half million dollar qualifying offer, and he's dropped off a little bit the last couple of years. Like that, that would worry me. I don't know if I'd. I, I would much rather, even if you know, you're gonna have to give up more. That the Canucks know Besser's contract is not great, so you would have to give up more to get Miller or Garland. But that's where I would rather be going. Well, I'll tell you what: if the Bruins found a way to get Andrew Cop and you know, they add that size and, and, and that consistency to their forward group. And then they go out and get like a Connor Garland who might be all of five, eight, but plays like he's six, five. I mean, that he Connor Garland will go anywhere on the ice and, and challenge anybody um, for in puck battles. And I think that's, that's how he's been successful at every level, especially with that size. He has a you know, Marshand S competitive streak to him. Um, so, you know, Garland might not be the intimidating, you know, uh, size for a playoff series, but he plays big. And I think that, you know, if you were to get him along with a cop, then that would be great. But um, I, I would imagine maybe DeBrusque would be part of that then maybe, you know, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like if you're going to, if you're going to go in and get a couple forwards that, that the Bruins keep being linked to, there's got to be, you got to find room on the roster somewhere. And if you're not going to give up one of your top assets for somebody, chances are, you know, I don't know I mean, how much value does Senishin have really. So it'd be like, you know, maybe Stanika, but it's Stanika and DeBrusque as the two, you know, um, prospects slash young players that have any value at this point, I feel like going the other way. So it should be interesting, but 
I mean, yeah, it's, it, they still got two days. And, you know, there could always be somebody, a team at the last hour that says, you know what, fuck it. We're going to start, we're going to sell off a piece here because we don't, we don't care because we're done. Um, who knows? Yeah, I think, I think that probably uh, you will see a, like a smaller, uh, a, a lesser um, acquisition rather than some of those lofty ones you're just talking about. And I think yeah. Andrew, Cop- Andrew Cop makes a lot of sense is a lot. Uh, fewer moving parts to a, a deal like that and another question uh if Bridget, there's I'm no i know i'm sorry <laughs> if there's no other moves if it's if the bruins are done you know after after this signing today are you still happy with the move sweeney made yeah i mean i like the lindholm move regardless because but because is it, it enough is because it, it's not just a gonna... rental and it helps them going forward as well is is it enough though? Is did like did he miss out on something? Um, I mean, it's t- look. You, you know, we'll probably get into this more in like our post deadline episode. What all the other Atlantic Division and Eastern Conference teams did, but it's been an arms race just in the Atlantic Division alone. You know, Panthers get Claude Giroux and Ben Sherrod, and I am on record as not being a Sherrod fan, so that one doesn't scare me as much. Uh, Tampa goes all in to get Brandon Hagel, who you just look at and you're like, there's their new Blake Coleman. Like that, that's who that is. Um, you know, so look, other teams are getting better as well. Bruins definitely got better on Saturday by getting Lindholm. Uh, is it enough? I mean, not to the point where like, I think they're going to be favored over those teams, but it certainly helps them compete with them. And if you go out and, even if you, even if it is just Andrew Cobb, if that's the next deal and that's it, you like, you've now improved both your your forward group and your defense, and and you've given yourself a better chance. You know, I, I don't, unless the Bruins do do something huge like JT Miller, Connor Garland, I don't think there's anything out there that turns them into the favorites or makes them, you know, favored to beat the Lightning or anything like that. But you're just you're looking to give yourself a better chance and Lindholm does that. And if there's another move to come, then that just brings them even closer. Uh, Lindholm has done enough to solidify them on defense. I mean, not many, not many playoff teams in the league can say they have two number one defensemen. I mean, Lindholm is arguably the number one defenseman in the league. Um, it, it would depend on the team, I guess, but like, you know, Boston McAvoy is, but you know he's a one B or whatever you want to say. But um, so that's great. I mean they got they got they got two legit you know number one defensemen. Not everybody can say that. They they, they are good enough on defense to compete with the best. Um, the problem is Lindholm does not play forward, and if somebody goes down with injury or two guys or th- you know whatever, you know he can't help them in that situation. Which is what I said last week. If they, I think you asked the question, if I think Scott, you asked if they got just G or Donner, like would that be enough? Well, no, um, because they're still thin at forward if there's injuries. And so that's why, you know, if they if they dig well and get a Domi and a cop, like, you know, hey, say what you want about fit, but at least it's two warm bodies. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, so far, so good. I mean, it's only it's only a Sunday. They got another 36 hours or so. So we'll see what Donnie does. But so far, so good. The only thing Scott was mad about was that uh, Sweeney decided to uh, do it while he was on the drive over to the garden. 
Yeah, we weren't we weren't able to get our breaking news story up and no one Yeah, I was uh I was like sitting in for whatever reason there was an incredible amount of traffic driving to uh on 93 driving into the city from from the north. I no idea why, but yeah, I was basically sitting in that when the deal actually came down. Which by the way, I want to I want to just gloat a little bit here. Who picked UMass to win the Hockey East tournament? Whatever, Bridget. Look, it wasn't it, Scott, it, and it, it wasn't Brian. Bridget, the episode episode's over. We can't uh, get yeah, into it. Yeah. No, <laughs> wait. What, can I? Can I have my one my one last story that I tell? And Scott already knows what I'm going to say. We but should. Te- we should. Te- I, it's tease two in the morning. It's two in the morning right now, and I'm not going to be able to sleep because I'm going to have another nightmare tonight. Because last night I texted both Brian and Scott this in the morning. I had a dream that Scott and I were in the garden elevator and we got stuck in there and then we fell to our deaths, unfortunately. Then today, then today, Scott and I get stuck in the garden elevator. Luckily, we didn't plummet to our deaths. But I'm in the elevator freaking out like, Scott, oh, my God, it's happening. And he's just like, calm the hell down. But we're pressing every button. No that's button. My, None of them are working. Stuck. We're call- We're making phone calls. We're like, how the hell do we get out of here? And so I was like, wow, maybe I'm like some sort of a prophet. But, you know, part of it was true. What's the, what's the, what's the great advice that I gave you? Take the stairs. Take the stairs. And I think that's probably a good place to stop because I think I see the sun coming up in the background. So uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll take a little hiatus and uh, reconvene for episode 87, um, you know, Monday probably. Sound good? Sounds good.